Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 278 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is July 15th, 2013. We've got a big show for you this week on the podcast. A lot of voicemail questions this week, some people calling in, leaving voicemails, and we're going to try to get to all of those, and a lot of email questions as well, talking about the USC football team as the offseason rolls along, going through summer workouts. Getting ready for fall camp, which in turn, of course, gets ready for the 2013 football season. We've got Dan Weber coming up a little bit later on in the show, and we have Coach Harvey Hyde here in the first segment. If you have any questions or comments, like I said, love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com. That is our email address, or you can call us at 206-888-6755, or you can go right to peristylepodcast.com and leave a voicemail there. Without further ado, let's get to uh, Coach Harvey Hyde. What's going on, Coach? How are you doing? Well, here we go. Another Monday, which means, uh, what, how many days? About 50 or 45 days away from college football? That's got to be pretty exciting. Yeah, like a month and a half. Not too bad. We'll have some games coming up here when USC starts the season off early in Hawaii, so that'll be a lot of fun for USC fans. Uh, Before we jump into the show, Coach, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website or you want to give them a call that's 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for anything dodgers and angels starting to win a little bit if you want to check out some local teams here in la or anywhere you are across the country go to sctickets.com and they will take care of you and uh coach everything good with you man i just wanted to see i I know you're traveling all over the place doing your summer stuff going to catalina and all that stuff you've been good this summer so far so far, I have been. I've been all around. Let's see, two weeks in Catalina. Then last week, I was in Vegas, of course, up there working, doing some work up there. Then they have the NBA Summer League going on. I had a chance to run over there and take a look at that a little bit. Back to Southern California. Let's see what I do. Wedding uh, last night down in your area, Palos Verdes. Uh, tonight at the Rose Bowl for an NFL an event. Uh, this is Monday, uh, so everyone knows. And then uh, I'm going to try to shoot on over to Catalina again. Tomorrow for a little R&R and work. I do a little bit of both. I, I work wherever I'm at, Ryan. It's, <laughs> I work seven days a week because I love what I do. And I had a chance last night to talk to some NFL coaches at the wedding. So it was it was really great. Norval Turner's daughter got married the night before in San Diego, so all the coaches were out uh, from the NFL. And then again, uh, some of them came up to this wedding I was at. So, you know, we did. We talked blocking. We talked football. It was great. In fact, I wanted to take everybody out on the dance floor and have them go through blocking steps <laughs> and, and all of this instead of dancing and uh, put on a little exhibition. But as you know, it's not our night. It's the uh, groom and uh, bride's night. Right. Well, you know, but you can, make it, you can make it about football if you want, Coach. I think they would like to uh, put some X's and O's out on the dance floor. And <laughs> Tr- Had a lot of fun, though. Pulling, pulling pulling guards fun and, and uh, it's always great. To see coaches you've com- competed against, coaches you respect. One coach I really respect is Hudson Howe, 
who just recently retired, uh, Super Bowl rings, coached all around the NFL, coached at SC. Uh, he was there, and we talked about offensive line blocking, and it was just great. And, uh, again, uh, he asked me, uh, I think you wrote about um, his comments on Mama, the linebacker, or the offensive lineman at um, St. John Bosco. Yeah, Damian Mama. Huh? Yeah. And uh, I asked him, is all this true that uh, was printed? And he says, absolutely. The kid is a great, great player. He coached him back at the five-star rising camp or whatever you call rising star camp, and he said he's an absolute superstar. Awesome. Well, it's, uh, speaking of blocking and power running, we have a question, a voicemail question about running the football, and I thought that you'd be a good person to ask this one. So here, let me uh, play this voicemail for you, Coach. Here you go. Hey, Ryan, this is John in Irvine. Uh, love listening to the podcast and uh, first-time caller. Uh, the question for uh, Coach Hyde. Um, was wondering if he could maybe touch on uh, the reason why, at least from my eyes, uh, I don't see any teams, including USC, used to be tailback you, running the old uh, student body left and right, the old power sweep from uh, the Packers and, again, from John McKay's Trojans. Uh, you see them lined up that way. You sometimes see them kind of you know, run a little bit outside, but you don't see the old power sweep with about eight guys leading the pack uh, and a real, you know, fire out, uh, you know, left, right, and, and then, you know, blast it up the middle, which then also opened up the trap play, et cetera. Um, and then the second kind of related question is if we're not doing that and we're not really using a, a fullback in the traditional sense of the old power eye, um, I know Coach Hyde has talked about this before, about what, you know, why we're not using you know, two backs that are actually running backs and maybe better receivers. Uh, we've got a couple big backs um, with Pinner and uh, Trey Madden and uh, a couple of the freshmen, I believe, that, uh, you know, could be uh, paired with uh, a smaller, faster guy um, and how that might open up some things. And, and you know, it just seems to me like the, the run game has devolved, at least at FC's, you know, situation into something that's very predictable and uh, not very uh, inventive. Anyway, appreciate it, and again, look forward to hearing it on the podcast. Bye. Well, thank you. Thank you. Great questions. Great questions. I think there's two or three teams that are still sticking with that power game, and it's some form of the power game and running game, and that's Alabama and Stanford, two that I can think of right now, and they're both the successful programs. I think it makes your players more hard-nosed. I think it's tougher for defenses to stop that type of offense because they don't see that type of offense. And I agree with you 100%. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a guy that likes to pound you and hurt you. Uh, a lot of people, you know, don't think that's exciting football, so you see the ball being passed around more and zone reads being run more because they want to get their quarterback a little bit more involved in the running game and utilize their athlete and have an extra guy in the backfield. And I agree with you on what you we're mentioning about the fullback at USC. Let's get another athlete on the field. I mean, a true athlete. You mentioned a couple of them, and you could also utilize your tight ends. So uh, I don't understand why they don't. I think you should. I think the student body right, as you call it, is a play that punishes you and makes your corners tackle. And today you get cover corners rather than tackle corners, and you really pound them, and they can't take that pounding. You want to punish the secondary. You want to get into the secondary with your running backs and make them tackle. 
those kids don't like to tackle. They like to cover. They like to make the ooh-ow plays and, and, and this and that, but they don't want to become physical, and they can become physical, but you'll find that they'll injure themselves by trying to tackle these backs that are 200-pound backs or 225-pound backs that are bigger than they are running full speed and lowering their shoulder. So I'm into that. I'm into the old blast where you force the linebacker to step up, play action pass off of it, the power off tackle, the counter sweeps. I'm into all that. The quick traps right up the middle that linebackers are forced to step up, and if they don't step up, you're going to run right by them. If they do step up, you trap them. So, yes, I'm into that. In fact, uh, uh, I think that the teams that utilize that type of offensive schemes yet still throw the football. Don't get me wrong. You've got to throw the football. But you've got to bring them in the box so that you can utilize your outside receivers. You can't have these safeties playing back deep and, uh, and covering all the time. You've got to make them come up and tackle at the line of scrimmage, and when that happens, your passing game opens up. I agree. I don't see really uh, teams using the draw as often as I would use the draw, especially as much as they pass today. I think the draw is a wicked play to stop and hold your linebackers. Play action pass off the draw. Uh, Screening-wise takes a lot of timing. I don't see a lot of screening doing, doing it the way it should be taught and done. You'll see it being run once in a while. And, and of course, when you run it once in a while, you don't run it as well as you should be running it because of the timing and the understanding of the play and being able to run it from the hash, the middle of the field, and the other hash mark to know what your spacing is. So uh, I, 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 I like the Stanford type of approach. I like the Alabama type of approach. Uh, I like seeing a team be able to know that they can run the football and be physical up front, and when they get on the one-yard line or four-yard line, they're going to score. They're going to score, and they don't have to pass the football to score. Uh, I don't understand why they don't. I know more of the younger coaches like to throw the ball around. It's more exciting a little bit for the fans. But, uh, uh, you know, the fans get excited when you win. And uh, I think you have to utilize your personnel and and do what it takes to win today. And I, I believe in a balanced attack. And I believe you have to run the ball and be very, very physical. And that's what SC was at one time, a very physical football team that not only used to beat you on the scoreboard, but on Monday morning, the other team that you just played, they were all in the training room. And they beat you there, too. Yep. All right. Uh, Well, thanks for that, Coach. I thought you would love to talk about the power running. I do. I love love that type of football. And, And teams don't see that anymore. I mean, corners are cover corners. They aren't tackle corners. And, you, you know, you, you send Trey Math, Madden, you send some of these guys uh, around the corner, and, then, you know, Justin Davis is 200 and some pounds. And so are these other backs. And make those guys tackle not one time, but make them tackle ten times. Tell you, those guys get beat up, and all of a sudden they don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, they're fast and thin. They don't like coming up and having to make a tackle. So, uh, and then you run, of course, off that, you run the belly, which means you fake this toss or the, uh, you know, student body riding. You give it to your fullback when the linebackers are running out there, and he runs straight up the middle of the field for a touchdown. That's the way I used to utilize Zicky Woods at UNLV. Uh, he was our fullback uh, for his freshman year, and we'd fake the toss, and I'd give him the ball in the belly right up the middle, and he'd be gone. I mean, everybody would be pursuing. The linebackers would be gone. Our guards would just push the linebackers past the play. And he'd run straight to the goal line. And, you know, he was 225 pounds. 
Yeah, as a freshman, and you think those guys in the secondary wanted to tackle him running full speed? <laughs> no way. Are they? No way. They tried to chop him down, of course, but they didn't want to shoulder tackle him. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Nice call. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's go to one more voicemail question for you. Here you go, Coach. Hi, Ryan. This is Al from uh, the Fresno area. My question is, just like any other job, uh, shouldn't Pat Hayden have some type of idea of what to expect this season from Lane Kiffin? I mean, is this going to be a team where the ball is going to be spread around so that it's a team effort? Or are we going to see another one-dimensional team um, throwing to Marquise Lee and Nelson Angelor uh, with a predictable scheme, uh, sort of like what Matt Barkley said at the end of the season that he wished he would have spoken up? Uh, I would think Pat Hayden would want um, Lane Kiffin to be successful and to, to save him from himself. Uh, demand that he spread the ball around if we're recruiting all this talent you know let those guys get on the field use their talent and, and win some ball games and bring SC back to its glory that's all um, I agree with you I think Pat Hayden has probably met with Coach Kiffin I think he has and probably described to him his thoughts on the past season and the approach of the game with uh, Coach Kiffin. Uh, Coach Kiffin is the head football coach. How much he follows that direction is, is of course, up to him. I think success is what Pat Hayden is looking for. Uh, he's going to have to win, and, and as I said, the only thing that's acceptable at USC is winning your conference. Uh, I don't care if there's an Oregon in your conference, a Stanford in your conference, an Arizona State in your conference. USC football is one that their fans, their players, go there coaches go there to coach they can charge what they have they have the television audience that hey we're supposed to win football games so you got to find a way to get that done and i think they've drifted away a little bit from what we were talking about being physical earlier and i think that pat hayden has probably sat down and talked with coach kiffin i i was i would accept that from my athletic director if i was on the bubble as a coach and coach kiffin isn't you know doesn't isn't aware of what's going on. I mean, he reads the papers. He knows what his record is. He, he feels it in recruiting. A lot of great recruits out there now are just waiting, waiting to see what's going to happen. Will they win before they commit? They want to go to USC. They talk about USC. When they get an offer from USC, they get excited. I've always wanted to go to USC, but USC is something that they want to uh, go to and win at, too, and get a great ed- education. Uh, I know at other universities, athletic directors uh, call their head football coaches in and talk regularly about what they need to do, and attendance has dropped, and we need to get our attendance up, our season tickets up, and the only way we can do this is you've got to win some football games. They're the money-producing sport at USC. Now, basketball may be on the rise, and other sports are not income-producing as far as budget-generating money. So USC depends on football entirely for the athletic department. Remember, they don't get tuition waivers like a lot of schools. The athletic department has to pay for every single athlete scholarship. So you got to depend on football and you got to win. And I think that the coaches, when they go there and they make $2 million or $3 million or whatever they're getting paid, and assistant coaches making a million, uh, hey, you expect to win yourself as a coach. And if you don't win, then you say, hey, 
I can't get it done. And you expect to be called in Friday afternoon at about 4 o'clock and say, uh, we'll see you. Thank you very much. I'll meet with you Monday and we'll discuss your uh, your severance pay. And and, and I think you, you do that. But, again, you have to take advice, but yet you're still going to do it your way. How hard-headed are head coaches? They're very hard-headed. Can, <laughs> can head coaches change? Yes, they can. And in some situations, it's difficult to do that for, for the best of his future and the university's future. You've got to change. Well, yeah, so were you a hard-headed coach back in the day? <laughs> I, I would say I was. Really? Okay. Yeah, but I, but I tell you, I had great relationships with my athletic directors. We would go out to dinner. We'd sit and talk about it. I'd ask him what they thought, uh, how things going. I was very active in the community. I was always everywhere speaking, being a part of things. Uh, invited people to our events. I had a faculty golf tournament. I had just a golf tournament just for the faculty at UNLV. No one else in our coaching staff. Why? To thank them for what they do with our student athletes. Uh, I mean, I tried to be... I used to go, as I mentioned last week, to the band events and thank them. Uh, there's a lot of things a head coach uh, got to remember. It's not all him. And, uh, and, and, and athletes who used to play for us, I used to welcome them back. Coaches that used to play, uh, coach there, I'd welcome them back. Yeah, I'd want them to be on our sideline or anything they could do to inspire our team or our players to be successful. In fact, there's a couple of players that are in the Pac-12, that are tremendous players. Darius Rogers' father went to UNLV. Uh, DeAnthony Thomas's father went to UNLV. I mean, these are great players, and there's others that I'm not saying I'd still be coaching at UNLV, but I'll tell you one damn thing for sure. They'd be close to going there or they'd be there. If I was still coaching, they'd be there. Well, because you were the master recruiter. Well, not only that, I'd tell the fathers what I thought. I'd tell them I'd go take their degree away from them or something. <laughs> Whatever you got to do. <laughs> we got to do to win, baby. You just told me that. Awesome. All right. Well, it's uh, there was a yeah, that was a kind of a question that was somewhat critical of uh, of Lane Kiffin. Obviously, this one I, it was kind of I thought that was interesting. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, Lamar wrote in. He said. He's very excited and anticipating the upcoming football season, and he wants to take pride on the the product that the players exhibit on the field. But he said he was reading about James Franklin, who is the head coach at Vanderbilt, and he said he's looked upon favorably as a coach by our local media. I just wanted to get your opinion and Coach Hyde's on uh, your opinion on Coach Franklin without any speculation of replacing the current staff. So without without saying he wants to replace Lane Clifford, he wants to evaluate James Franklin, the head coach at, uh, at Vanderbilt, which I don't know where he's well, going with this coach, but maybe. Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to talk about him as a, anything, just as what he's done at Vanderbilt. And uh, I think he's done a tremendous job at Vanderbilt. First of all, he's an excellent coach. He's an excellent recruiter. Won nine football games last year. Um, now it's good to see uh, see what's, what, he, what he can do this year. Can he repeat? I think in repeating is something that's really important. Uh, being able now, you're not going to be a team that people are going to look past. Now you're not going to be a team that people say, oh, this is a gimme win. Now you're going to have to get ready to play against these teams that maybe you upset a year ago, and, and maybe the schedule, I don't have the schedule in front of me, was one where he, where he missed Alabama or missed LSU or missed some of these teams, and 
maybe this year he'll get them. I know he got some great commitments. He's had great recruiting going on. He's very well-respected, and he works hard. So I I know that uh, Vandy's uh, improved. Vandy's very respectable. Vandy's picked to be in the middle of the uh, SEC this year in their division. So that means they've made a lot of progress when they're ranked above some of these other teams that get great traditional football names. Certainly. So, uh, and it's known well for its academics, too. So he's a perfect candidate uh, for a head football coaching position if he chooses to leave Andy because he's working in an academic environment along with turning around a program that's been a doormat program for many years. So these are the type of guys that you look at, obviously, as far as uh, when you're looking for a head football coach. All right. So you're, you're a James Franklin fan. Obviously, I mean, he's going to get a lot of attention, especially if he's yeah, able well, to. You know, he's going to get the same type of attention as Gary Anderson got at Utah State, now at Wisconsin. The McIntyre got at San Jose State. They Both those guys won 11 games right last year, and they both he went to Colorado. One went to Wisconsin. You know, this is this is the type of people you're looking for that have learned how to win, turned around a program, and shown that they can be a winner. Now you give an opportunity to win at a place that has a tradition of winning. So uh, this is what you look for. All right, uh, let's go. Melvin had a question for you. He says, "Looking at the schedule, I see no, uh, four non-conference games, and we all know about Notre Dame." but not much about the others. Could you give us a brief synopsis of the quality of the three remaining teams on the out-of-conference schedule, Hawaii, Boston College, and Utah State? What do you think of those teams, Coach? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I follow Hawaii and Norm Chow, and they had a pretty good recruiting year. He's in his second year, and last year he was devastated with injuries. Just, I mean, he lost everybody. At the end of the year, he was playing fullbacks at defensive tackles and and he just had a very, very tough year. Now he's got it. He's finally feels he has a quarterback, a transfer from, I think, at Ohio State. I think his name is Graham. And uh, he started, had a great spring. He's got better receivers. Of course, opening with USC is not something he's looking forward to. In his second game, he's got to play and visit Oregon State. So wow. his first two games are going to be very, very tough on the Warrior football program. But as you know, Uh, those type of kids show up to play. They'll play hard no matter what quarter is or what the score is. They've got a lot of pride uh, in the state of Hawaii for the football program, and he's very much, uh, his roster is full of local kids. Uh, He's got other kids. He's got transfer kids that go there, but he's still got a lot of local kids. And they'll look forward to this football game. Obviously, I'm looking forward to this football game because I'll be able to tell you after this football game exactly what type of season I think USC will have, and I won't get into that now. Now, their second game, uh, they they have what do they have? They have Utah, they have Boston College, Boston College, and Utah State are the other ones. Yeah, Utah State and Boston College. Boston College is in a rebuilding mood. Um, uh, they've got a good, hard-nosed head football coach who's recruiting. He's brought a lot of physical uh, things to the Boston College football pro, er, program. They'll be tough, but if SC can't beat Boston College, then please, just don't talk about Stanford <laughs> and the rest of them, okay? They're down. They're not expected to be that good. So USC, if they bring their game, my guys are better than your guys. So who should win that football game if my guys are better than your guys? Well, 
should be USC. So like I used to tell my team, don't screw it up. Just go play our type of game. Utah State, a lot of tradition. They played, they won't be intimidated. They've lost Gary Anderson, uh, but uh, they've learned to win at Utah State. They've got a great quarterback up there. I mean, he could be a Heisman Trophy type of candidate. I'm telling you, he's a great player. He's a great athlete. He makes things happen. I don't know how many people watched him play at Auburn. They should have beat Auburn. I think it was Auburn last year, and they didn't. They were ahead, and Auburn got the onside kick and drove down and, and beat them. But, hey, they're 12-2 and two last year. They've learned how to win. So they're not going to come to the Coliseum and be intimidated, and they've got a lot of older kids, and they've got kids from Southern California. But should USC win? Definitely. I don't think USC recruited one kid on their roster. They may have. Uh, so I stand corrected if somebody says, yes, they did. But uh, who should win that football game? USC. Don't screw it up. They should win that football game. So without talking about Notre Dame, uh, that's how I feel. That makes sense, Coach. You know, people have been asking me a lot, how's this team going to do? And it's it's kind of hard to say because you've seen like the whole don't screw it up thing. If you look talent-wise, there's still a lot of talent on this team. I mean, you cannot argue the fact that this team is very talented. But will will that matter? We've seen teams that they were more talented against last year, you know, less talented teams they were playing against, and end up losing the game. So I, it's hard. It's hard for me to predict kind of what's going on. You know, I'm sure we'll get into this more later on. But you just mentioned it, like. If you stack up the rosters, then USC should win most of those games. Yes, they should win all three of those football games and uh, other games they should win. But you got to go one at a time, take one at a time. And what you should try to do, since you play these teams early, and I hate to, I don't want to get in there and make this a whole game plan season, but you should approach these games as trying to get better, not trying to set records by throwing. 25 passes to Marquise Lee. <laughs> Become a better football team by working on the things you need to get better at. Get after people on defense. Cover with your corners. Because if I'm going to play SC, I'm going to attack your corners, okay? And, uh, and on offense, run the football. Because you need to make those players. You can't just say it in the paper, you got to do it in the game because when you're sitting in the stands watching the game, you say, there, same old stuff. Or do you want to say, hey, they're pounding the rock. They're getting better. They might not win 80 to nothing because they're not throwing 12 touchdown passes, but they're learning how to become a better football team. And this is what they have to do early in the season. Otherwise, I don't think they have a chance in some of the conference games. Oh, that makes sense, Coach. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on, talking some USC football. It's always fun. Uh, we got some good questions coming in, so keep sending them in. Thanks for the voicemail questions, too. Everyone keep sending those in. And uh, I know Coach likes answering them. It's a lot of fun to just bring up some different topics we can talk about. Yeah, it's fun. And thank you very much. And I hope you're all enjoying your uh, vacation, summer vacation, or whatever you're doing out there. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week or talking to you next week. All right. Well, sounds good, and uh, thanks again, Coach, and we will uh, talk to you next week. Okay, buddy. Thank you very much. All right, and everyone else, back in 30 seconds, we're going to talk to uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber coming right up on the show. 
Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here at the Peristyle Podcast with USCfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. And just during the break, I, I, I know I mentioned we we talked to Coach Harvey Hyde next week. Uh, but as, when we got off, I was talking to Coach Harvey Hyde about uh, Mountain West Media Day, which I'm going to go out and cover because I'm – uh, oh, yeah. helping rivals with the Fresno State site. But that's actually next Monday, so we're not going to do a podcast next week, Dan. Um, I'm going to be in Vegas for Mountain West Media Days. They actually have two days of, of Media Day for Mountain West, and Pac-12 has a half a day. So I don't know I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, and I was listening to the uh, serious college sports this week, and they're talking about they're so excited about uh, SEC Media Day, which I think now is three days, if, yeah. I, if I recall. <laughs> You know, one day for just Johnny Manziel, I'm guessing, uh, uh, if they can get him, uh, well, they can get him there. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, the Pac-12 is kind of subdued, to say the least. Uh, at least it's at a movie studio. So two straight years at a, at a movie location. So uh, that's the, the one good thing we got going, I guess. No movie location studios in, in the SEC country. No, not that. So this year's in Culver City. Um, so that'll be, yeah, it's Sony, Sony this year, universal last year, Sony this year. Yeah. So. It was Fox before that. And they're kind of moving around. Sure, yeah. You know, yeah. We've hit them, hit them all, I guess. Uh, as long as the NCAA doesn't outlaw, uh, media days at movie studios, cause that's an unfair advantage. <laughs> that's an unfair advantage that you live in a place with movie studios. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Coach Harvey Hyde actually wasn't happy that they kept moving it around. He's like, ah, it's too far. I, they keep moving it. They should have it. The Rose bowl. Actually. I mean, now that they've upgraded the Rose Bowl, I, I think that makes sense to me. Like maybe have it there. You got these new. You know, I think you could do it in the. Um, you know, now that they've got all the private boxes and and what have you, you probably could. You know, where you could set up all the individual. Uh, you know, interview places for the TV and radio and what have you. Um, they might have enough room. Uh, the the downside last time was your. You know, they got the hottest day of the summer, I think, and the, your laptop got fr- you know fried, and they had to pass out hats, you know, and they didn't have enough tenning, you know, to cover everybody. Right. And it, it got to be, you know, it had tables and, uh, you know, set up for, you know, a couple of hundred people. And there were like four people out there in the, in the blazing sun, you know, everybody else <laughs> was trying to find shade. So, uh, that one didn't quite probably go quite as well as, uh, we kept thinking, what if it rains, you know, not, not that it was possible. So, that was a good location, but I think uh, if they could get it in the the new press box and uh, and private boxes and all that at the Rose Bowl, that would that'd be a good idea, actually. All right. Well, we'll report on all that. I'll, I'll let you guys know when we come back what goes on at uh, Mountain West Media Day, if you care, and then uh, I'll compare it to what we see at Pac-12 Media Half Day and uh, see what goes on from that. Uh, well, Dan, let's get into uh, some of these questions. We had a couple of voicemail questions for a coach. We have one here. 
for you as well. It's about the uh, left tackle position. I'll, I'll play it for you right now. Yeah, hi. This is Chris in Arizona. I have a question regarding the left tackle position for USC as it is today and as it moves forward. Uh, currently, we have at the left tackle position Andre Walker, who are a few people are sort of shaky on his performance, but for the foreseeable future, he's the guy who's going to be there. And I look at the recruiting class today and the guys that we've brought in over the last year or so, and most of the prospects get talked about as right tackle prospects. Zach Manner and Chad Wheeler are both slotted at right tackle currently. Both of the Jordans that we currently have committed in this class I've heard referred to as right tackles. And my question is, what does the future for the left tackle look for USC? Uh, is it going to be a guy like Max Turek once uh, Andre Walker moves on that's going to move out to the left side? Is one of the two Jordans that we're currently recruiting going to become a left tackle prospect? Is there somebody else that hasn't committed now that's high on the board? Or, or is it something that the coaching staff is looking to fill as a future role? Uh, thanks for the answer, and I love the podcast. Hey, uh, Chris, not that there are that many of those guys. I think they kind of, you know, evolve and develop and uh, whether, the, you know, you can really identify them and recruit them exactly that way. I mean, you, you see the NFL draft guys, and, and they're still not sure, as you know, always are they a right tackle or left tackle. And it might be overstating it just a bit um, in terms of, uh, how you have to have a left tackle as opposed to a right tackle and what have you. I think one thing you're going to find out this year is having a quarterback with, with more mobility, um, uh, either with you know a good bit more mobility or somewhat more mobi- mobility, depending on what way they go, that it doesn't quite have you know that same uh, uh, you know necessity that you know you really needed a, a Matt Khalil. Uh, protecting the entire, you know, side of the line and the back side, back side of the line and, and uh, of the quarterback. Uh, I wouldn't uh, disregard Chad Wheeler. I think uh, Chad Wheeler, uh, you know, might possibly, uh, you know, be able to step in over there. You know, Nathan Gertler, uh, as, a, as a backup guy, has been a, uh, you know, pretty quality backup. He's up to 290 now. He really does look like a player. He's always had good technique and and toughness, uh, and I think, you know, DeAndre Walker, I mean, I think it was, uh, uh, you know, there's been a real meeting of the minds, I think and Andre is really, um, he's grown up, I think the system is going to benefit him, I think uh, Coach Summers is the kind of coach that Andre needed, I think the uh, changing the way they're doing the line calls, where everybody's responsible for making calls, and everybody... And, and the difference in, in Andre's focus, when you see him, I mean, check out some of Ryan's photos, uh, you know, just from the 11-on-11 um, uh, stuff they do uh, in, in the voluntary throwing sessions, and you see Andre standing up and calling out and, and pointing and doing things that, you know, it just he wasn't any part of that last year. It didn't seem like, uh, you know, all the calls went through the center pretty much. And, uh, you know, there wasn't... It wasn't quite the same where all five guys now seem to be really responsible, you know, for what they're doing. Andre looks probably at 3.05, and, you know, he's probably going to play between 3.05 and 3.10. That just looks exactly right for him and for his body. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think he's comfortable again. He was. I don't think they worked hard enough at getting him com- comfortable on the left side. So I think the, uh, the thing – I think all USC fans should be concerned with is who's going to play left tackle in, in August, who's going to play left tackle in Hawaii, who's going to play you know left tackle um, you know at the at Washington State home game, and 
you know, that's, uh, that's basically yeah. it. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm, you know, that's where I'm, I mean, that's as far as, um, uh, wow. I'm just looking at, uh, I got stopped. I just happened to see a tweet. Um, uh, did us Senator Harry, uh, Harry Reid, the majority leader of the Senate asked by a USC or asked a USC student, right? This it looks like he asked a USC student, uh, he asked, okay, a, a USC student asked Harry Reid a question today and had a USC shirt on. Harry Reid's response, and you're going to Las Vegas, maybe you'll run into him, Ryan. Okay. Harry Reid's response today was, I hope you have a better football team than last year. That was a disaster. This <laughs> is <laughs> from Harry Reid. Wow. I, I just saw him on on the news, he was going into some kind of a meeting. I guess they were they had a bunch of students there or something. Wow. That's, okay. That's pretty funny. Oh my God. Senator Harry Reid is uh, also. Oh jumping. my goodness. Okay, that's a good reason to, uh, you know, put all the focus. I do really think, uh, and I know it's it's interesting to get involved in recruiting for next year and, and this position or that position. I think it all 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 depends on what happens this year on the field. I think that's that's where it goes. It's uh, you know it's going to happen on the field, and then that'll that'll determine a lot of things. And if Andre Walker, now I think I guess you know the smart buddy would say, well, you know, if Andre really does get, have his act together and really does have the kind of year that you know people were always hoping that he might have, yeah, maybe he won't won't be back, you know, for year number four. Uh, not sure how that how that would play out in Andre's case with his you know with his career behind him, but uh, 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 I just think all the focus has to be on you know getting it right you know for this year. And again, you know, pay has gone on, and we haven't seen you know how this is going to play out. But uh, but I think I'm kind of encouraged by um, by where this is going right now. I, I think. I think my my sense about left tackle is I think you solved that problem one year at a time, uh, right now where USC is right now, and uh, you know really make it happen this year on the field and then uh, and then uh, you know then you recruit you know recruit to it uh, again. That's a position I'm just not sure how well you can project and recruit to. Uh, just I mean for example. When you, you when you watch Morgan Breslin and his junior college video, who wasn't a guy that could even touch him in junior college, you know? And, and so in high school, you can look awfully good, and still you have no idea how are you going to, uh, you know, block, you know, the kind of people with the kind of skills you're going to be playing against at, you know, at the top level of college football. It, it's just really a hard projection. So, so I don't know. Let's see. Oh. All right. Uh, okay, here's a here's a postscript from Harry Reid. Okay. His next his next sentence that proves you can't buy football players. Jeez. Ah. Maybe USC should have thought about that. Maybe like defending themselves in public, if the majority leader of the U.S. Senate is saying things like that. Wow. We're just getting those tweets. So you know how that. How that works, uh, whether that's uh, that's actually uh, being said. Uh, wow. Interesting. We'll have to look up that. We'll have to check that out after the podcast. I'll go check that go, out after go the on podcast. Twitter and check that out. Um, we've got a few more questions, though, to get to, Dan. Uh, quick okay. one. Quick one from Greg. 
he said, what's the status of scholarship punter Chris Alvarado? He should be off his redshirt soft. He should be a, his redshirt sophomore year by now. Will he kick this year? Thanks and fight on brothers and sisters from Greg. Well, he better if he isn't, you know, Ryan or I will be, I guess. <laughs> He's it. He's out there every day. And he and uh, Peter McBride, and you see him out there every day and, and working on their stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, he's had uh, two years of apprenticeship, and he's had a pretty smart guy in front of him, I'll tell you that, uh, you know, and Kyle Negretti. So uh, uh, I think uh, this is his time. Yep, this is – and he's it. I mean, he's uh, he's the man. He's the punter. recruited him with a scholarship, and uh, so uh, it'll be interesting. I don't know that we've gotten to see – and we've seen him, you know, do a lot of uh, – where he, um, you know, mimics the uh, kind of, you know, backup balls and wedge shots and things like that that, that um, uh, Kyle, uh, you know, specialized in, never kicking it into the end zone, all that kind of thing. What we, I, I probably haven't seen as much of, of Kyle, you know, Chris just absolutely, you know, turning the ball over, getting it, you know, just getting it, at, you know, just going for it. You know, you got, uh, you know, say 70 yards, and, and it's one of those times you can just let it out. Uh, haven't haven't gotten to see enough of those to to have a real have a real sense. They uh, they don't always punt, or they don't often punt where we get to see them. Uh, and a lot of times when they're you know in with the uh, at Howard Jones when they're in with the uh, uh, with the rest of the team they're doing you know specific kinds of you know punting and, and that kind of thing. So we don't always uh, don't always get to see that. But I think he's gonna it'll, it'll be fairly seamless with uh, with Chris stepping in. All right. Uh, Stephen Poway has a question on Lane Kiffin. Uh, he said, SI called Lane Kiffin one of the five worst coaches in college football. This was an article by uh, Stuart Mandel where right. he, he named like the top ten coaches in college football, and then he put the bottom five in no particular order. Lane Kiffin was one of those bottom five. And uh, Steve had a couple questions based on that. Get your comments. He said, do you think it's deserved? Do you think that it would serve as additional motivation for Kiffin and his players? And arguably with the easiest schedule SC's had in a decade, do you think that Lane Kiffin's poise for a revival comeback this year further solidifying, solidifying excuse me, his position as head coach, much to the dismay of his opponents? So maybe get your thoughts on all Let's that. Let's see. I think um, yes, no, and maybe, or is it no, yes, and maybe? I'm not sure of those three questions. Uh, 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 I think uh, – I think if you're Stuart Mandel, it's a smart thing to do to throw um, throw Lane in there as one of the five worst. And you know you got last year to to back you up. You know, I mean, uh, last year was a uh, you know a train wreck, a plane wreck, whatever. It was about as bad as as you could do. I mean, I think it was one of those things that uh, had you been throwing darts blindfolded, uh, you probably would have had a better uh, batting average in terms of what you did than, than what USC did, actually by making real choices and deciding to do this or to do that. This is just a, an unbelievable year. I mean, it's hard to go uh, as far off the rails as they did from the you know the very beginning and, and the decisions in, uh, in August and personnel decisions and uh, uh, decisions to slow the game down and shorten the game and you know, play a little bit, a um, little bit scared, or a little bit afraid, or a little bit worried, or a little bit uh, thinking uh, we really aren't as good as they say we are. Um, you know, it was tough. I think it's a, a very difficult thing to be picked number one 
for anybody to defend that spot all year. You know, very few teams can do that with really good coaches and really good talent and, and uh, you know, a full uh, number of scholarships. So, uh, you know, you, you can stub, you know, stub your, to- you know, your toe, but they stubbed, you know, every toe they had and then and, <laughs> and stubbed them again, uh, you know, came around, you know, so uh, yeah, how this is going to work. In terms of, of Lane, I think you can't evaluate Lane by himself in a vacuum. Last year, you know, Lane and, and Monty and, and some young guys, it, it, it just did not work at all. The chemistry, the, uh, you know, it didn't look like anybody was listening to anybody. The defense was totally unsuited you know, for college football. Uh, and the practice uh, practices did not prepare him to play full speed and, and get up to game tempo and all that kind of stuff, which is what Pete, you know, genius of Pete's years is that uh, short, quick, uh, you know, demanding, uh, you know, practices were, you know, closer to game tempo than almost anybody, you know, in the country, probably the closest to game tempo. And USC had a big advantage um, uh, in terms of, you know, game prep and, and tempo because they, you know, they, they practice like they play. Last year, unfortunately, they played like they practiced. <laughs> <laughs> so they just keep rolling off because it was a difficult year. Uh, can he bounce back from that? Uh, sure. I think he can. I mean, I think – you know, I mean, 2011 did happen. I mean, it, it wasn't an aberration. I mean, it wasn't, well, we don't know if it's an aberration. It wasn't a mirage. It, that actually happened in 2011. Uh, could it happen again? I mean, I think, you know, that's uh, that's one of the, I mean, there's, you know, five big question marks, I think, with this team coming in, and I'm going to try to answer all of them in the next week or so. But, uh, you know, you start with, do they have enough players, do they have enough bodies, Um what about, you know, the secondary, the, you know, new guys, new scheme, uh, rough spring? Uh, what about the quarterback? You know, nobody's, you know, started and won a game. Uh, you know, you had, you know, the, the four-year guys gone. Um, what about the offensive line? You know, can they go from, you know, playing, you know, patty cake to actually being a physical, uh, you know, game-shaping, uh, game, uh, you know, taking over, you know, group? And then finally – what about the coaches? You know, can you overcome uh, the kind of coaching uh, that last year um, saw USC limit? You know, just devastated USC. And when they got into a tailspin, they couldn't even begin to get out of it and did things, you know, like you're trying to, you know, the, the UCLA game, you're just trying, like, trying like crazy. We've got to do something. We've got to do something. And you have some ridiculous Reyes Mateus spin around play that, you know, you you hadn't really run it that way all year and, you know, hand the ball to UCLA, to, you know, deep to start the game. I mean, it's just craziness, you know, like you would just thought somebody would have said, hell no, we're not going to run that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, all the things that could go wrong. You know, have the quarterback, you know, turn around, you know, turn away from the play and there's some kind of blind, you know, cross the field pass that if it's off a, a little bit, that uh, we haven't really worked on that much. <laughs> that's, I'm saying if I'm in the room as an assistant coach, I start throwing chairs at that point. Uh, and so that didn't happen last year. It looks like it's already starting to happen this year. I mean, it, obviously in the, in the spring, uh, you know, the, what they did and how they did it, personnel is different. Uh, they seem to understand all the things they didn't do, all the things that went wrong. So can he? Yeah, Willie. 
I think that's of all the, of all the questions. I think that's the hardest one to answer is the coaching question. And I think the others, you can make a case um, uh, for the others, but they all go through, you know, the coaching question. And I think that's uh, that's the one that Lane has to answer, you know, for himself and for us. He has to, you know. I guess, you know, we, it's an easy cliche. This is the year he has to put on his big boy pants and uh, and, and become a big boy coach, you know, yeah. and uh, and we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Um, well, you mentioned there's kind of a good segue to this question. I, I know you're doing these, this series of stories about the different questions around the program. Melvin happened to write in about one of those, and he's talking about the depth with the scholarship limitations and some of the injuries. He said, uh, my concern is depth. Uh, worried about quality depth. And do you think that Coach Giffen or anyone else is worried about depth? And I thought you'd be a good person to answer this since you were going to do a story on it. Yeah. Let's hope not. My thought of a successful program with a successful head coach is not someone who says, you know, I'm really worried. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I don't, I, I don't think you can win and be worried. You know, you, you can act like you're worried. You can talk about it. If you're really worried, if you coach worried, if you practice worried, you can't play. I mean, you play worried. And, and where does that take you? So I think this would be one caution for USC fans. What is the point of worrying? What, what does worrying get you? How do you, how do you, you know, does it save you from being let down at the end? You know, uh, they've got plenty of players, honestly. They've got more good players than anybody else in the Pac-12. So that's a good start, I would think. They're, uh, look at the different positions you're worried about. Quarterback. I was reading the other, yesterday, only in the SEC, a story on rating the backup quarterbacks in the SEC. They had a whole story ranking the backup quarterbacks, not the <laughs> starters, the backup 14 or whatever it was, or they couldn't find 14. But uh, uh, if you look at – I mean, USC at quarterback might have the three best quarterbacks in the country as a group. It might have the best – probably have the best chance of sustaining an injury to a quarterback of any program in the country. That wasn't the case last year. They weren't ready. Um, if you look at the offensive line – they got more depth than they had last year. You look at the defensive line, they got far more depth than they had last year. We don't know about the secondary in terms of can they play, can they make the plays, just, but we got a lot more of them that, that are, you know, out there, candidates, got athletes, whether they're good enough athletes, whether they're good enough to do, can they turn their hips and, you know, locate the ball and all that. We don't know. But we got more of them, actually. Uh, you got an, USC's got enough guys to play. Game by game by game. If you look at the numbers of how many USC played last year and how many they played, you know, how many their opponents played and what have you. Uh, I, would, I would think that if I were looking at this season for USC, I'd just take that off the table. You just don't know. You know, you gotta, if, does uh, Oregon have enough depth if Marcus Mariota goes down in game one? You know, does UCLA have enough depth as, if Brad Hundley goes down in game one? I don't, you know, I mean, I think I think it's just not only not answerable. Even if you could answer it, what's the value of answering that question? You know, what does that tell you? 
uh, if you come up whatever you know whatever the answer is other than just play on fight on you know whatever you just got to go out and play and um, last year they tried to answer that question in advance by shortening the game cutting down the number of plays taking their time you know tying with uh, was it Colorado I guess for fewest plays in the league or uh, and what did that do? It meant Robert Woods. They couldn't throw the ball to Robert Woods. They didn't have enough plays. Um, that, I just think you've got to you got to do better than that. So um, you just got to go out and play, play the best way you can play, you know, that suits your talent, and uh, and let what happens happens. But and I think in a lot of places, I mean, you think there aren't more running backs this year than last year? You know, there may not be as many. You know, wide receivers. Not that they, you know, they're not they're not fewer wide receivers either. Uh, more tight ends. You know, I mean, it's you know they they're kind of built for uh, a, a decent uh, amount of depth, actually, uh, of guys you could you know you could certainly play. So, so I really that would be one I'd I'd really that would be my first first look at it in terms of some things that are kind of miss or well, we all believe we know. And we, you know, we just take for granted and you don't even have to talk about it because, uh, you know, everybody knows that USC doesn't have enough guys and they better be really lucky. I think they, they actually do have, uh, they have enough guys. I think they really do. And it's helping. They're doing a pretty good job, you know, getting walk-ons in to, to bring in the two, uh, two you know, quarterbacks um, and Ted Landers and the Chris Wilson kid give them enough arms to throw the ball in practice because you need live arms and, you know, three quarterbacks wouldn't have been enough, uh, even though three is enough to play, uh, to carry you through practice and probably not. So, uh, but I think, uh, got a, a real cadre of, of pretty decent walk on guys that are with a line between them and scholarship players, uh, where if they had 85 scholarships, uh, uh, a lot of those guys would be on scholarship and, and, and very much deserving, uh, of it. So, so I'm not, I'm not going with the depth thing quite as much as, as maybe some people. I think uh, I think they're in pretty good shape. All right, then we got one last one. Uh, JJB wrote in. He wanted to know about Cody Kessler. He he wants to know if actually I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Do you think he needs to trim down a little bit? He said it looks like he's put on some weight, but not muscle weight. Um, do you think that would hurt his athletic ability, especially his mobility? I don't know if you saw that. Coach, but I think he's uh, JJB was looking at some of the photos and the videos we put up. Obviously, yeah, I, I have no idea what the heck they're talking about. I mean, <laughs> try to, uh, you know, he's he's maturing. He's bigger. He's stronger. I mean, I saw him standing next to uh, Mark Sanchez Saturday, and uh, he looks like he looks like he's got an NFL body on him, uh, which is kind of the way you want. But he's still, you know, he's still got got good feet. Uh, and uh, I just think uh, probably they need to get it updated. I think he's easily 6'2 now, and I think that surely ought to be on the roster, whether it has been updated or not. USC kind of notoriously a little slow in, in getting the roster some numbers to the exact um, where the players are now. But, uh, but I mean, I, I, just, I always remind people, and I, this is just blows me away. Is and if you haven't heard it, Cody Kessler could dunk a basketball when he was in the eighth grade. I mean, he got you know really long arms and big hands, you know wide shoulder, wide shoulder guy. And I know you know, Mark Sanchez's brother Nick, uh, who's his agent and lawyer and whatever, was and running the camp was saying 
man, Cody, you know, Cody might be sicker than Mark, and Mark's going to play at like 235 this year. So Cody's a, Cody's a big, strong guy, and uh, uh, I think that's a, that's a good thing. I don't think it's, it's slowed him down at all, and I like the strength uh, aspect of it. But uh, I'm not sure I'd be reading – Pudgy or whatever that word one guy used uh, uh, about the uh, you know looking at and 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 the pre- I mean I I don't want to be mean here but to watch to look at a, a photo uh, and then say gosh it looks like he that's not actual um, good weight like what How, I mean come on they've got all sorts of testing and all sorts of things that they do. Um, uh, you know, to determine that. But if you can determine that, you know, from a photo, uh, you may there may be a career for you somewhere. <laughs> I don't know on the Atlantic, Atlantic City boardwalk, uh, guessing the weights or something. I, you know, uh, that surprises me. Some of the judgments that people make um, from really very little information, uh, and 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 do it in a negative sort of a way about somebody. Uh, uh, it surprises me. Uh, it really. I, I'm always caught caught up a little bit by uh, the willingness to say something negative about one of these kids. Uh, just surprises me. All right. Well, JJB, he looks good to us. So uh, hopefully that's that's good enough for you. Check out the next video when we put it up, and you can judge for yourself. But thanks again, Dan, for uh, coming on the show. And again, we're not going to have a show next week because I'll be at, in Las Vegas for the uh, Mountain West media days uh but we will come back uh, a week after that but thanks again dan okay enjoyed it have a good have a good time in uh las vegas all right thanks very much and everyone else thank you very much for tuning in to the peristyle podcast back in two weeks talking more usc football and recruiting You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.